Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. This is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 016, the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is effects artist from Gearbox Software, Ash Lyons. Ash, thank you for... Uh, wow, I'm already butchering my speech. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for joining me. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, and we were just talking momentarily uh, before we started recording. Uh, something that you and I actually have been joking about a little bit over Twitter leading up to this, the joys of having a toddler and infant son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had a little bit of a hiccup uh, we, uh, we've, uh, getting this recording started, uh, but it's just the joys of fatherhood, basically. Uh, your son came in, and if I'm reading the, the Twitter message correctly, he ran in and turned off your computer. Yeah, he, he recently discovered, <laughs> about a week or so ago, he discovered the power switch um, under my desk. It's a, got this bright red light on it, you know, to, uh, to turn off everything. And he sees it and goes, oh, click. And it's like, sweet. And the first time he did it, I, I was working on, I was working on something. And all of a sudden, like, my oh, no. just goes out. I'm like, oh, my God, what, what just happened? And uh, I look down, and my son's playing under my desk. He just gives me this smile, like, hey, look what I did. Like, yes, the biggest <laughs> smile, because he just accomplished something. Right, right. And then, and then the <laughs> best part is, I, you know, I turn my computer back on. I'm like, Alex, don't, you know, don't, don't do that. And he looks at me, and then, you know, five minutes later, he hits my reset button on the machine. Like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, no more playing under daddy's desk. <laughs> yeah, that, that might get a little dangerous. Yeah. Uh, for, both for the computer and for you, if you don't cut it out. Love you, son, but don't turn off Daddy's computer while he's working. Please, like, save often. <laughs> yeah, we're going to crank up that autosave to every two minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's that's fun. Uh, people have been following this podcast for a while. It's I kind of realize it. Uh, if you're a regular listener here, you've been pretty much hearing my son grow up <laughs> as i've progressed we are now uh 16th episode my son is now nine months old he is borderline ready to crawl he's nice. doing the thing yeah he's doing the thing where uh his hands arms and legs are in motion but not in the right order mm. so he, like the rocking back and forth thing Right, he's rocking back and forth a little bit. He's like propping himself up, but he's like, if I'm going to use a car hydraulics reference, he's tipping on three right now. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you got to extend the leg, buddy. And then like he'll extend the wrong leg. Like oh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm telling you, man. Once uh, once they start crawling, I know you. I know you've heard this before and say it's like, oh, it's a whole new world. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is. 
because uh, when when my son first started crawling, we my my wife and I put up this little gate in our in our living room so he could kind of crawl around our living room and we wouldn't you know we would know that he's in our living room. Okay. But then he he learned that he could just push the gate over, oh, and no. then just crawl past it. <laughs> and it's like okay, well now that's a whole new thing we got to worry about. Oh man. Yeah, I'm only, like, I'm looking around our house already, or have been for the past months, and we've been saying, like, oh, we should probably, you know, hide these DVDs, or we need to get a new entertainment center that has doors on it or something yeah. like that. Yeah, And uh, we, we, we really do, like, for real. Oh. For real, we need to. <laughs> right, I mean, like, like when the sun starts crawling, he'll just come back with something in his hand, and you're like, where did you find that? Like, I haven't <laughs> seen that in six months. Like, where did you... <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, um, we have two dogs in the house. Every once in a while, the dogs will pop in while I'm recording. And I'll say, "Oh, I have one of my audio assistants with me," uh-huh. uh, and they lose stuff under the couches and chairs and coffee table all the time. We have a uh, like a meter stick or a yardstick uh, underneath our coffee table in our living room, and that is specifically for retrieving you know, balls and or chunks of whatever they've been playing with and or whatever else they might have been tossing around and rolled underneath something so between two dogs and now infants i i want to throw my hands up and (laughs) concede yeah (laughs) but (laughs) obviously obviously you're not gonna do that yeah What, what kind of dogs do you have uh we have a pity mix her name is kinsey she likes to come up and uh visit me while i'm working in the office and the other one, Sophie, is a Weimaraner, which, um, if you're not familiar with the breed, they kind of look like somewhere between a Greyhound and a Black Lab, or Chocolate Lab. Okay. So somewhere between that, and they are super hyper neurotic. To the point <laughs> oh, where... Nice. What's that? But nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're great. Oh, she's yeah. so loving. She is so loving. But, like... She's an alarm barker, so she'll bark at everything and anything. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. Two hilarious things about her is that if she's barking at something out the window or like something has her attention, her eyes get so big and so like wild-eyed. Like you know, you can be calling her, yeah. and it's like the third person. Sophie isn't here right now. <laughs> It's just wide. Her ears are perked forward, and she's giving these like smaller barks leading up to a larger one. So it's like you, you just deal with it. It's just part of the breed to the point where, on her last vet appointment, uh, the vet said, "All right, well, Sophie's you know her health wise, she's doing fine. Uh, she's a little neurotic, but she's a Weimaraner, so there's nothing we can do about that." Yeah. And I'm like, "Wow, all right, <laughs> just come out and say it." That's oh, awesome, man. Yeah, got, and the got two dogs also. Oh, nice. Yeah. What you got? Uh, we I have a, a poodle, Shih Tzu mix, and a poodle. Um, uh, it's a Peekaboo, so it's a poodle oh, okay. mix. And the little the little poodle Pekingese mix is about three pounds, so Jesus. she's just adorable. Right. And um, the other. Uh, poodle Shih Tzu is—he's—he's—he's he's, he's neurotic. Also, he's got like anxiety <laughs> issues. Oh, geez. To where, like, if one of us—if my wife or I leave the house, he'll sit in the window and whine. Like, you can hear him like Aww. three blocks down. He just, oh, like, I'm like, oh my god, we're coming back, dog. Like, chill out, <laughs> relax. Yeah, 
Alex. Oh yeah, our our Weimaraner. If we go outside to like work in the front yard, working on you know something in the lawn, or just meeting with one of our neighbors or something, uh, she'll be fine. But then all of a sudden she'll see us and then right. start barking up a storm, and we're like, "Thank you for alerting us that we <laughs> are in the front yard." Well, Crazy you got to think about it. Got a, got a great uh, alarm system, so if anyone tries to break in, you just oh, if well, someone's here, yeah, someone's yeah, uh, I. It, it breaks my heart a little bit knowing that uh, she's already nine years old so she's getting up there in age a little bit uh but i would kind of joke with my brother saying how if if this dog was still around when jacob became a teenager and he ever tried sneaking in the door at <laughs> one in the morning it's just yeah. not gonna happen <laughs> it's yeah. like he just has no chance at all yeah he'll be uh like sneaking in the window like throwing meat like in the yeah like right the spy movies <laughs> As long as she's chewing, she can't bark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, my son Jacob is his name. He'll be stopping at like the local grocery store before coming home. The the twenty yeah. four hour grocery store. All right, hold, hold on, guys. I got to stop and grab a steak. <laughs> Trust me, I see it in the movies. It works. Yeah. I swear. Oh man. Oh, and. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have too many thoughts going through my head right now. I apologize for the, the excitement and then immediate silence after I speak. But something I've been wanting to joke with you about a little bit, and I don't think I had a chance to speak about this on my podcast. Two things kind of like came together in mind. First, you've been trying to get your mother to play Battleborn? Yeah. How is that going? Oh, man, that was that was fun. So, Yeah, my, story time. Mother, uh, she... She she liked Battleborn like when when the um, when she saw the trailer she was like oh I like I like the little uh, cricket guy you know Marquis the okay. robot she thought he was a cricket and I'm like no no that's 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 a robot hunt and I was like like sorry I said honey that's, I'm so used to talking to my wife <laughs> uh, I was like mom that's a that's a robot and she's like oh well I like him he's he's cool so finally uh, she she just came to visit a couple weeks ago. Okay. And I go, Mom, you wanna you wanna you wanna play this game? She's like, Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. And she's never played a video game, you know, like uh, with the controller and you know, two sticks. Okay. And she's going through the um the tutorial level, like the first level you, you play. Okay. She lasted about five minutes before the real robots killed her. I'm like, Wow, this is gonna be a lot more difficult than I thought. I mean she had a great time. <laughs> Excellent. But she's that player who's standing in the corner, like staring down at their sh- at their shoes, uh, firing oh. a gun. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so is she a gamer at all? Because no. that, a first-person shooter is not exactly something to jump into your oh. first round. Oh yeah, she uh, she does, you know, like the typical uh, tablet games, or you know, she'll play word games and things like okay. that. But uh, nothing that's like she do like Candy Crush type of type of thing. All right. Uh, but no, no, no type of video games or, or at all. She was, you know, she's a little too old for that, I guess. That's that's what she would <laughs> it, say. Well, it it's a lot to process. Oh, I yeah. mean, like you and I and people right around, like the the millennial and yeah. uh, little Gen X, we grew up with video games. Right. You know, all, all these we witnessed the analog to digital conversion as far yeah. as electronics are concerned. Um, and recently I posted on Twitter that I, I've realized that I have been gaming longer than some of my coworkers have been alive. <laughs> so, so it's a long time. But with that, 
holding a controller and looking at a a screen, a video screen, with my thumbs doing something completely different than what you would associate with movement. Like right. if I want to walk forward and look to the left, my thumbs just do that automatically. Or that's the thing. I mean, do you remember when when that control scheme like just even first came out? Not I'm trying to think of where it would have been because like Super Nint- Nintendo was the monster in the market. Yeah. Um destroyed destroyed Sega even as Judge Greg and I have joked a few times, blast processing. But right. uh, um, as we move past the 16-bit into the 32 and 64, I think, was it the N64 that brought so. in the, the first analog stick? Yeah, cause I, I, I believe so. Like, I, I remember, and, and I'm, I could be wrong, and most of the times I am, but it was uh, <laughs> uh, Goldeneye, I think, was when... At least I remember first having to use um, a joystick. Yes. Or at least having to use, um, you know, like a joystick and your and you know your thumb to, you know, fire and you know, for an actual stick. Yeah. I'm trying. Wow. It's. I mean, obviously I played a ton, just like every other yeah. kid around that time. Just so much cool, and I and I can't remember if it if that was a dual analog stick or not. I don't think it was. Uh, Goldeneye wasn't because um, i don't think the controller i'm trying to remember what the controllers looked like yeah it was well the n64 had had the had the one uh joystick in the middle and then okay it had the, uh, the d-pad uh, okay the, so we must uh, have been using the d-pad for left. yeah okay and it had that one control scheme where you could use the d-pad and the uh and the analog stick uh together as like um like i could look left and right and then move forward and back okay so i would say that was almost, that's almost like a a precursor, I would say, to the double joystick, to the dual joystick. That's about as close as we're gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I know because I, I had a I had a buddy of mine. This is bringing this back now. I had a friend of mine who always he he used that uh, control scheme where it was uh, the D pad forward and back, and then he looked left and right with his with his right hand, or he he used the joystick and we're always, and we're okay. looking. I'm like, dude, how do you do that? He's like, I don't know. I'm just it's just easy. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It's just it's natural. I mean, he obviously just. He destroyed us every time we played Goldeneye because he was it, it was his it was his system, right? Okay, but, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I and then but it's so funny that like because I, I never really think about how long that control scheme has just been in circulation. It's just kind of like the the default now. Oh, it's so ingrained yeah. in like every every FPS at this point. You you know, and offhand I don't even know what it is. I just do it. Is it the left thumb <laughs> that's movement <laughs> yeah. and the right thumb that's yeah. that's look? I think it is. Uh, I think it's a yeah. Left thumb or right thumb is look around, and left thumb is forward, back, and strafe left, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, you just do it at this right. point. It's like just wow. ingrained in us. Like yeah. right, pick it up, go. Yeah. Ex- Halo. Um, yeah. Obviously now Destiny, Borderlands. Any first-person shooter, your Call of Duty and Battlefield, they, it, they all use the same scheme. And, like, the right trigger is always fire, left trigger, well, left trigger is sometimes aim, and that's where, like, the controls begin to fall apart, depending on the game or, or what they're doing. I think some of them, sometimes it's, like, the right stick you have to click if you're using a controller yeah. for aim or look down the scope or something like that, but yeah, for the most part, 
that's pretty much how it is. All right, cool. So you, <laughs> you got your mom playing Battleborn. That is fantastic. Yeah, uh, it was it was definitely a fun time. I mean, she she didn't play for very long. She may play for like ten minutes, and then it was just like she was like, "All right, I'm I, I got the idea. I'm done." But I mean, she. Yeah. But it was it was just funny because she's like, "How do I jump?" And then and then I'm like, "Mom, press that button." And then she goes, "Well, what if I use the keyboard and mouse?" I go, "No, no, <laughs> that no, that's gonna." That's going to confuse you even more. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, I bring that up because um, I recently had like a breakthrough with my mother regarding video games. And she, if she listens to this podcast, she might get mad at me, but whatever. <laughs> it's it's hysterical. So for the most part, my, my family just kind of tolerates my uh, gaming uh, obsessions and enthusiasm. But as games have kind of matured, I've tried to bring out certain aspects of gaming where, you know, to show, like, listen, it's not just, you know, centipede or asteroids yeah. anymore. Uh, we've we've come a long way as far as, like, storytelling and just the, the representations of, or just the visual representations of things and the themes that are discussed. Uh, so um, there's so much more. But again, if you're... If you're on this podcast and you're listening to this podcast, there's a whole lot of preaching to the choir. So, <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from there, um, my mother also loves going to like the opera at some of the local theaters oh, nice. in town. Yeah, she loves like uh, live performances, and she'll yeah. uh, a few theaters uh, here in New York. They um, they bring a lot of off Broadway shows around, so okay. she likes to go to those. And personally. Uh, there is nothing like a live performance yeah, of know. like any genre. Um, so even musical theater and the symphony we've hit up a few times, especially if it's one of those like local city symphonies where right. it's like, you know, free day, um, whatever, uh, family. I'm like, sure, let's go do something to do. And you get an evening of quality music for cheap. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on Mother's Day, the act called... Video Games Live came to Springfield, Mass, Massachusetts, which is about an hour, hour and a half drive. Okay. And are you familiar with Video Games Live? No, I'm not. Okay. If it ever comes anywhere close to you, go. All right. It's a, it's a creation of uh, Tommy Tallarico, a video game composer. Uh, he's been in the industry for years, and he has rewritten video game music to accommodate a full orchestra. Wow, that sounds it awesome. Is, it is amazing. And uh, there's video all over the place. Um, and he'll do everything from, like, Mega Man and, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. And then he'll move through. And, like, at this this concert in particular, some of the other games, uh, Street Fighter actually has some pretty cool music if you compose it properly. Okay. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, God of War... Oh, I they love the God of War soundtrack. I used to, I used to work out to that. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, and then uh, later on, they move into um, like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. And their their final act is like all the super ones, like the Halo Two theme. Okay. Uh, the Final Fantasy, uh, Skyrim, and uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Man, that sounds and epic. It, it is amazing, <laughs> and my mother like she accepted just because like 
I pitched the idea to her, and she's like, "All right, yeah, sure, that'll be fun." You know, I'm spending time with my son and going to. I said, "We're going to the symphony, mother." Yeah. <laughs> but she loved it so much. Um, oh, and while they're playing, they play uh, gameplay footage on a big screen wow. behind the orchestra. Oh yeah. Yeah, that sounds great, man. It was so much fun, and here's the part that my mother may get mad at me for sharing. She went, like, not full groupie at the end, but, like, halfway. After the show, they were talking about how they were having an after party at a hotel across the street, and it's, like, 10, 10.30 at night, and we still have an hour, hour and a half to drive home. And she looks at me and says, Anthony, they're having an after party at the bar across the street. And I'm like, no, mother. We have to go. <laughs> so we make our way back to the car, and we need to like spin around the theater to get back onto the main drag to get to the highway. And as we're behind the theater, we see like the orchestra members and staff members kind of crossing the street to get to whatever other spots they need to get to. And there goes Tommy, crosses right in front of my car. Wow. My mother rolls down the window. <laughs> And yells out, great show, Tommy. And I'm like, mother. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is, I'm like, I am so happy right now. I am so happy that you had that much fun coming to a concert of video game music. That just made made my night in its entirety. Yeah, dude, that's great. Because then you can be like, hey, did you like this? If you like this song, you should like kind of like... Give her some old albums of, of some other video game music. And she's like, yeah, like right? this. You know, and it... That's basically what it's coming down to. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire like drive back, we're talking about other aspects of video games and uh, how they... And I'm like getting deeper into things because I'm an overthinker for everything. I dive way too deep into things. And I'm talking about like the psychological techniques that they use in certain storytelling. Yeah. Like with the, the Bioware games. Now they dip real deep into yeah. certain trends and aspects of um, society and whatnot. And uh, there's a lot of, like, really deep conversations. And uh, she asked about how this one game that my brother and I play quite a bit called Destiny. So, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> Story time. <laughs> and, well, and that was the well, whole... It's, uh... Go ahead. No, I was like, I was like it's, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, like, going back, how you were, how are you talking about, uh, like they were playing all 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 sorts of different uh, video game music. I mean, mm-hmm. if you ever just just sit down and listen to the uh, the OSTs or the ODSTs of um, uh, I think I got that right. The the, the, the OST ODST is a, a Halo game. Okay, yeah. Drop Shock Troopers. <laughs> you think an original soundtrack? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, but I mean, that's the thing. If if, if you listen to those uh, to those soundtracks, they're like amazing i mean the horizon zero dawn soundtrack awesome oh i haven't heard that one yet uh, i need to check it out yeah even um uh like halo you can listen to that god of war you know we had mentioned i mean they're they'll they'll they have composers and orchestras and just crazy just just crazy stuff behind behind some of these some of these uh, video games you're just sometimes you'll just sit and listen to the music and you know just forget you're playing the game Oh, yeah. Yeah. At one point, um, I have a Pandora station that's just video game music. Right. And it's great because it's it's basically orchestral is what it is. It's orchestral music. I mean, any modern game, any AAA modern game at this point is using 
unless you're doing some type of dubstep action or yeah, something yeah. like specific for the mood of that game um it's going to be a full uh orchestra playing the soundtrack yeah so uh yeah just had to share that as soon as i saw um after we had confirmed that you'd accept to come on this podcast, I see you getting your mom to play video games. I'm like, oh, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Got to get that in there real quick. Uh, so before we continue nerding on about video game music, which, I mean, maybe another episode <laughs> if we can do that. Um, effects artists at Gearbox. So yeah. what exactly is FX? Because I'm coming from this as a fan and an, an enthusiast, if you will, of the digital arts and what's not. But um, so what? what is your title and what is it that you do in the design process? Okay, so my title is officially just a VFX artist. Okay. Um, uh, I've, I've been at Gearbox a little over three years now. And okay. so, and I, I came in uh, working on Battleborn. So, that, so Battleborn was my first game at Gearbox. All right. And as far as what VFX, what what the VFX artist does is a lot, really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not to, yeah, not not to play down, you know, like the animation team or like the like the uh, the the uh, the tech guys or any of the any of the um, coders or anything like that, because they all that's another area of expertise that is just, you know blows my mind also but the effects guys we're we're kind of like the last rung like it's like us in audio we're like the last rung in the uh the ladder of 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 development okay um so what what we typically do is we go in and we kind of jazz up jazz up the scene uh make the characters pop a little bit more we we just kind of we add all the um kind of pizzazz I, w- I would say uh right. like like to the game uh and a lot of it is things that you don't even notice uh i'll say like 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 for example there was a there was there was a part uh something something we we, we were working on where um uh I'm, I'm not sure if this if this shipped or not but it was uh it, w- it was an effect where when when a player when they when they were stepping on some of the steps the the steps would kind of like move down a little bit, kind of like they were hovering. Okay. And that was all driven by effects. Uh, it wasn't you know uh, like animation didn't work on that. It was just a straight up material trick. And I can't remember if it shipped or not, but that was that was something that we that we had done, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I figured for the most part. It's a yeah. lot of the things that. Uh, I want to say if it goes unnoticed, that might actually be a good thing because right. it just it just kind of flows with what's happening on screen and what you expect to feel and how you would expect the camera to move. Is that a fair statement? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Like we don't do so much camera movement um, unless it's okay. like a camera shake. Like if like if, like if there's an explosion and then you see a little bit of camera shake, uh, sometimes we have sometimes that's either us or like animation might might do that. Um, but it's uh, yeah, like there's uh, a lot of material trickery that 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 will go into like certain characters. Like if you see like a something jiggling on a character, like if they have a little antenna, and okay. and, and, it, and it needs to be um, live. I would like quote live. So when the character moves around, it needs to like you know the 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 antenna needs to jiggle with the character movement. 
sometimes that's an effects thing or like like animation will just model the the uh the the antenna and then effects will come in and kind of give it make it jiggle so you know things like that hmm. so um so working on battleborn how does the assignment of duties work are you assigned to a specific list of characters or character or are you assigned like you're going to be handling this type of effects i'm i'm stretching for words right now because it's <laughs> No, no, I, yeah, no, I, I get it. It's all exciting and new to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'll say like, well, the way it worked for, 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 for Battleborn is we, we would get assigned a, a character. Like, uh, for example, I, I was, I was working on uh, Isaac. Uh, I worked on Sun Priestess, Benedict, Pendles, and uh, Beatrix. Okay. So like, I was doing all those. Um, and so we'll just get a big list of kind of like this, not necessarily a list of effects, but like a list of attacks and like, like, like we'll be given the, uh, like, like we'll be given a big concept sheet of, uh, kind of like what, what the, what, what, what the design team wants their, uh, wants the character, wants the character to look like, what wants, what the effects should look like, things like that. Okay. And then it's for us, it's more of like a guide. It's like, Hey, here's, here's a big list of things and here's how we want them to look. And then, then we'll look at that and go, all right, how can I make these look cool in game? How can I make these things, how can I make this character awesome? Okay. And then um, that's that's kind of where we take it. Like, like I'll, I'll say, here, here's a good example. Um, are, are, are you familiar with Beatrix in, in Battleborn? Um, I played a little bit of Battleborn. Give me a... Okay. Um, well, Beatrix was uh, the last DLC character that we that we had put out. Okay. And she has this big giant syringe for an arm, and in, in the syringe, good lord, yeah, I'm looking at character art right now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was like that was that was the last character that I was given, and the the designer is like, hey, we want to have the the liquid in in uh, Beatrix's syringe. We want to have that slosh around, and animation, you know, you can't really do that uh, with, with 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 the animation. Because the character needed to, you know, move left and right, and it's 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 hard to, like, figure out where the liquid's gonna go with the animations and have it link up and be smooth and all that. Mm. So, so they're like, well, effects will fix it. Effects will do it. Jeez. Kick that stone down the road a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's it's funny. A lot of the times, um, it'll 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 come down to, oh, uh, you know. Uh, Effects will make it look good, and we're just and we're looking at them like I don't know how to do this. How am I going to do this? But you know, we usually we we typically figure it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Darn when it. yeah, <laughs> so like when I was uh when I was when I was doing Beatrix, I remember I was like racking my brain against the wall about how I was going to make this liquid kind of splash around and 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 and, and do things when the, when the character moved. And you know, luckily I was you know, it took, it took took me about a month and a half to figure it out, but uh, I. I, I got it accomplished. I mean, I even got the uh, the the liquid to uh, change color whenever she fired certain uh, certain attacks off in her ultimate, oh, and nice. it, would change, it would it would turn purple and things like that. And frankly, it just it just came down to me playing a lot of video games within the within that month of just watching um, how other games did liquid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I like to assume that I I am educated in the ways of science. 
And yeah. I'm trying to think of like the how the physics would work as like you move forward or you swing your arm a certain way and what wall of the syringe it would slosh against. Yeah. That was um that that took a lot of math in in my head. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah. and I mean if, if if you looked at the the material chain of of how I I of how I got that that liquid to work it looks like it's just it's a giant spider web of okay. nodes connected and to each so, other. I mean, and what was that material chain? Is that the term yeah, you used? Yeah. Okay, so explain that for me, please. So uh, we use on the Unreal Engine. Okay. Um, for our games, um, if, if you ever look at the way materials work in in the Unreal Engine, it's a bunch of nodes that are connected to one another to kind of make to make the magic happen, so to speak. Okay. In, in order for me to to get the way and, and in order for me to get the liquid to move the way I wanted it to, I had to basically connect a bunch of I had to connect a bunch of math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the best way that I can explain hey, it. Was, it, let, was, let it you know, it's one of my like personal pet peeves when people say like they don't need math because I'm just gonna end up doing this job. Well, yeah. first off, later in life you don't know what job you're going to be getting into. So slow that down real oh, yeah. quick. <laughs> and say like, oh well I'm gonna be you know, a computer coder do working in programming. It's like there's a lot of math in that. There's right. a lot of math in computer programming. And you know, being an animator or a okay in this case a visual effects artist, yeah. You have the word artist in your job title, and here you are talking about how much math you had to use well, yeah, to, to and get this going. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the crazy things about just VFX in general, because I have very little experience with uh, visual effects in my film or television okay. and all that. But I mean, I dabbled. Like when I first started in the business, I was doing uh, visual effects for advertisements, like a. Uh, the, the, nothing you would see on TV. It was just kind of like trade show ad, ads, where hmm. you know, we, we would have um, like a like a washing machine would be doing like an, an ad for a washing machine, and, and, and my company would ask me, "Hey, we're going to need to put water in this washing machine, have that splash around, or we need to have a bunch of stuff break apart for for this, you know, animation, things like that." So that was my experience. Very, very, very little as far as with okay. uh, pre-rendered animations and all that. Yeah, or, or pre-rendered the, effects. Yeah, the few trade shows that I've been to, you probably don't need anything all that real. Right. <laughs> if it's just going to be it's water splash around in a uh, a trade show video for yeah. a washing. All right. But uh, yeah, but, but even this, that, yeah. there's so many like numbers and and uh, like just things you like uh, inputs that you have to look at for for certain. Um, for the certain software you need, because even though uh, it's like you said, like even though the artist is in our name, a lot of it is so technical to where it's kind of like half artist, half you know mathematician. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it, it does. It, it that's yeah. and that's the thing. It does just because <clears throat> you need to you know strike some creative um, inspiration to figure out or. To decide, I'm I'm guessing I'm like trying to infer from what I've heard so far, some creative inspiration to make these things look, quote, cool, right. right, and then to actually pull it off, um, like all the math that's involved. Uh, I have a background in AutoCAD drafting, okay, um, 
and a joke we used to throw around is an architect's dream is an engineer's nightmare. <laughs> so like I'm I'm sensing a little bit of parallel in that concept where it's but you're actually playing both roles where here's how I want here's an effect or a visualization that I want to make happen in these instances. Okay, I've had the concept in my head. Now I need to actually make the thing work somehow. Exactly. And and it's and it's kind of one of the crazy things about visual effects is we we have so many people will come into visual effects from different backgrounds like we'll have people who never went to art school but went to school for like computer uh like coding or mm-hmm. something like along those lines or like computer science and they'll they'll get, they'll get into visual effects and be great visual effects artists but they have no art background but they they understand the software very well and they they know what numbers to put in to make the smoke look real they know they know exactly how to make fire look like fire because because they know you know exactly where to input certain numbers where where on the opposite end that you have me like I went to school for sculpture so I I have a little really? sculpture degree oh, well then yeah right. <laughs> and because like when I graduated I wanted to be uh, either a gallery artist or I wanted to be a modeler like a, a, a like a 3d modeler so that's that's kind of where that sculpture degree went went into okay but when I realized that I was only average with my 3d modeling like I'm not bad but I'm not great mm-hmm. and in order to break into the industry which you know side note is kind of one of the the, the bittersweet things I need to tell uh, are like up, up and coming um, like graduates who come to me and say how do I get into the industry what do I need to do and sometimes you tell them, well, what do you want to be? Or they ask them, what do you want to do? They go, oh, I want to be a modeler. Because a lot of people want to want to be modelers because they, they see these really awesome characters in video games. They see these really dope-looking characters on TV, okay. you know, like 3D animations. And they go, I want to do that. And you have to tell them, well, are you as good as the people modeling at ILM? Like, are you as good as the people modeling for Pixar? And if they can say, yes, I am as good as them, and it's like, go. Do it right now. Apply. But if they're like, well, you know, I'm okay. It's like, come on, man. You're gonna... Here's a tough reality. You're competing with that. Like that is – you just graduated. That is now your competition. <sighs> Unless you can get up to that level, you need to start small. And start. And, it's, it's, and when I realized that, I was like, well, I'm okay at modeling, but I'm not great. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at visual effects because I also enjoyed – blowing stuff up digitally i was like man because like i yeah like i i i took a course and um like when i was in co- when i was in college i took this uh, small 3ds max course and they and, and they um one of the sections was on uh just visual effects and you know like kind of just making small particle systems and i was like this is awesome this is, <laughs> like, i love this and then Aren't i ended up going to grad school for visual effects and that's where kind of my career took off because once I graduated, I started small, like I said, with the, with the trade show stuff. And then that kind of boom, uh, blossomed mm-hmm. into uh, getting into video games. But what was I talking about? <laughs> uh, it's fine. Yeah. Like I, sorry, I just went off on a tangent. Video game crosstalk. Um, <laughs> video game crosstalk loves its tangents. Well, yeah. and I'm making tangents over to my own like history where um, – I think I mentioned this on previous episode. I used to do a little bit of like booking and promoting in our local music scene as like a side gig. I don't know, loved it, absolutely loved it. But um, 
just that little bit. I'd always been friends with um, band members of like various bands of various genres, and uh, I have known some amazing, phenomenal musicians that don't have a snowball chance in hell of ever making some type of actual living off of their music because anything that is art-related, like what you're doing is a digital art, but it's still art. And yeah. unless you're doing some type of like commission work or some type of corporate like for advertisements, you're not going to be making money on your art if you're trying to go any type of pure art. Right. And to get to that top level, like there are only so many high end studios or companies. Yeah. So you have a total of like or your five, say even ten big name studios those 10 studios have a finite number of modelers that they're going to hire oh yeah and once that number is filled that's it and there are way more people going to art school than there are positions of that caliber right so that can be applied across all sorts of different industries so it's a you're right to tell them. Like, if you're not at that level, <laughs> reevaluate if need be. Oh, yeah. And you know, as and, far as you're concerned, I mean, find yeah, something you enjoy. Go yeah, ahead. That's the thing, because I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm even tempted to tell people, like, when it, whenever I, whenever we go out to colleges and you know we give talks or just oh, cool. you know people just will like email or just ask me in general. I'm like, look, maybe you should look into visual effects because. A lot of there's a lot of people looking for good VFX artists, and there aren't that many out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of VFX artists, but sometimes you go you go somewhere and like we need X Y and Z visual effects artists. And you're like, well, I'm Y, and they go, huh? Next, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's a oh man, that's another thing. Um, bounce around jobs in the past few years, uh, I learned what the the modern. Uh, job search processes like and uh, for if there are any uh, young people listening to this if you have anyone telling you to write an objective at the top of your resume uh, seek help elsewhere no (laughs) one cares about your dreams and aspirations no one cares (laughs) that is the hard truth the hiring manager or the HR rep that you're in contact with have their marching orders as far as this is the skill set that we're looking for for this particular project or to, yeah. to fill this particular uh, void in our you know talent pool or workforce. This is what we're looking for. If you do not have these skills, we are not interested in what your future you know five-year plan is for your career development. That's just yeah. cold. Dude, even writing a resume is hard for them itself. Say that again? So writing a resume is its own art form. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you make sure you have zero errors in that yeah. resume. Because, well, zero... I mean, that's – yeah, see, that's, that's another thing because, you know, I've, I've had resumes come across my desk where, like, we're asked to look at it. And then you have, you know, maybe two or three a day, four or five, ten, and, you know, regard, like, depending on, depending on your position. And – if you're busy or if you're just looking at resumes all day, you get one bad resume or one uh you know one resume you go to the website, the website you don't like it for some reason or the demo reel doesn't pop right up, you're like next. Mhm. You know, and, and, I got and, to look at yeah, today. Yeah, you've got your own workload you need to handle. 
Yeah. You've got a stack of other resumes you need to look at. And so that was told, because uh, from the hiring manager's point of view, if you have errors on your resume, this is supposed to be your best, perfect, yeah. most amazing representation of yourself. Right. If you, if you can't be bothered to fix that typo, why do I want to hire you for contracts? Exactly. And, and we've told people that so many times when we say, look, because with, with the way digital art is, it's, it's very, where's your, where's your website? Like if you don't have a website, no one's going to look at you. They don't, oh, yeah. people don't take, uh, pe people don't take CDs of your work anymore. I mean, even when, if, you know, you go to a trade show, cause I remember when I first started looking for a job was when I graduated you know, so many years ago, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd go to, to, to shows like trade shows and, uh, I, I, I would go down and I would hand people my my demo disc like on an actual CD, and they'd go thank you and just drop it right into a giant bucket of hundreds other CDs. And it's that, like, hey, that's the reality. That's the reality of it yeah. all. Ah. So. Should we get some tech news? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we, oh, we've been... All right, let's, let's get some tech news. Wow. <laughs> oh, and right on cue, one of my audio assistants. Hi, Sophie. Hi, puppy. Oh, i got to give her some face rubs real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, let's get some tech news. Uh, first one up, we have Amazon patents... Or Amazon patent tips underwater storage facilities. So, this is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Amazon, in their vast, vast resources of everything imaginable, is applying for some type of patent in which it is entitled Aquatic Storage Facility. And we have one of those um, stereotypical patent hand sketches yeah. on the screen. This is from uh, PC Mag, PC Magazine. And basically what they're doing is just a big that basin of a system but uh yeah let's go underwater it's completely untapped you know it's free real estate well maybe not free but cheap right. real estate i would imagine uh any thoughts on this uh i think it's a good idea i mean if it's if, if there's room in the ocean uh, go for it I mean, yeah might as well right <laughs> Right, you know, we uh, they, we've they've already, and of course, Amazon would do something like this because they've already been yeah. um, experimenting with drones. We know that. Um, yeah, that's what like, uh, when I first when I first started reading the article, uh, I saw like the drone delivery tower. Like yep. that would be even. I mean, that I'm that right there is a little bit more interesting to me than the uh, the aquatic one because the drone delivery tower. Imagine just a bunch of drones flying around in ten years. That would be yeah, that right. would be crazy dope. Right. Oh yeah, I'm uh, flicked over to that. What what do we have? I didn't get a chance to read through this one. Oh, no, great! I, I, it's, a, it's a it's a big mechanical hive of drones flying in and out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dystopian future we're going for. No, so, I mean, I, I give it ten years before Google or Amazon just owns everything. Yeah, it won't be long until they own. I mean, Google's going to catalog and categorize and data mine every little thing. You know that we do or and start with their predictive models you know we'll get there yeah we'll get there so eh, there you go two stories for you this one's yeah, from I mean, a little bit farther back june 23rd yeah. um well, i mean thinking about the um 
the way that this, I guess the the underwater drone or not, sorry, uh, like the underwater storage, it's it almost it almost makes you wonder. I mean, how like how like would it have the possibility to break? You know, it's what just like mean? what would happen if it broke? Oh, okay. You know, there's that'd be like so much. This everything would be lost. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I like this idea, but at the same time, it's it's crazy because if you because how far will it go? Is you know, are we going to just start just populating the ocean floor with stuff now too? It's <laughs> you know, and that's a legitimate concern, uh, truth yeah. be told. Um, because as I you know just mentioned, like, well, you know, unclaimed real estate. Why not throw it underwater? Get it off yeah. the land. But is is that a good idea? Do we want to start creating storage facilities, you know, in our ocean floors or wherever these are going to be located? Uh, do we want to expand? Is it worthwhile oh, f- for that extra storage space? Yeah, um, it's like I like the idea because it obviously it is it is a lot more storage. And then, but then you you got to think where will like how far will we take it? Mm-hmm. We, like, hey, Amazon just built a bunch of storage facilities under under underwater. Hey, let's let's build some apartments while we're down there too. Yeah, and then we're gonna get into uh, the rapture, and <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, it's it is how it starts. Yeah, <laughs> starts with the Amazon, and then we have uh, splicers from Bioshock up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so that's pretty crazy. Moving right along, uh, Microsoft. Yeah, the, the other tech giants of the world yeah. uh, wants to start giving uh, rural America some online capabilities using TV signals. So this is this is interesting. Normally, to get access, well, to get access to the internet, no matter how you do it, you need some type of digital connection to something, anything. Right. Uh, up here, we have well, was Time Warner cable? It's now Spectrum whatever uh, corporate bureaucracy they want to buy out this time and whatever. But um, to access the internet, you need to your house needs to be wired basically somehow. So you need to have like a coax uh, coming into your house or you've got satellite. um, If you happen to have a satellite, you know, in that area somewhere somehow. Uh, But one of the few things I learned while I was at ITT Tech before it immediately got shut down mid-degree program was um, a lot of your cell phone and communication signals never hit satellites. So it's like a little bit of a common misconception. You're not always tagging satellites to get access to the internet on your mobile phone. Sometimes you're just hitting off a local communication towers and yeah. TV, essentially TV antennas, but the signal of the your ones and zeros get translated a different way and handled a different way and get routed outward. So, obviously, you're fluent enough with computers for uh, visual effects. Yeah. Have you done? Have you dipped into much of the uh, the IT side of things? No, I haven't. Okay, um, <laughs> not at all. Like the most IT thing I've done was set up a couple of servers in my in my house where I can render stuff faster. Oh, nice. There you go, buddy. <laughs> so basically, there's uh, FCC regulations into what bandwidths or um, 
signal strengths and protocols different levels of consumers can use either residential consumers or governments or like large businesses so there's um just like radio you know your fm radios operate at certain frequencies or within a certain band your short wave your am works in uh within certain bands and there's lists of this uh on the internet where you can find them out but um Basically the same way that your TV station, over-the-air TV stations work, your TV can operate within a certain range of frequencies, and each channel has its own you know, signal, obviously. Okay. But there's what they're talking about in this is that there's white space in between all of those, which is you know, more or less a buffer zone between ranges. And Microsoft is thinking, well, if no one's in there... Mind if I slide through this? Yeah. <laughs> so, any thoughts on this? I, I I like it. I mean, if I I look at it as not everyone gets great internet, mm-hmm. uh, especially you know you hear about like like people in the Midwest where they get like uh, like crappy internet or it'll just drop, which is why a lot of people were were upset about when the Xbox was online always. Oh yeah, type of deal. It's like, well, my internet sucks. Like, how am I gonna have always be online? Uh, if if everyone if this allows everyone to get a decent internet connection, mm-hmm. let's do it. Because I mean, sometimes being wired doesn't work out. I mean, or even you've got the people who are in a certain um, like a certain uh, housing zone where they only have one internet provider. Right. It's like, well, I have to I have to use this one guy or like I have to use this one company and they're they're charging me an arm and a leg because they're the oh, only yeah. people in town. And if if I could get my Wi Fi from somebody else, I mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. And this actually kind of dips back into what you were talking about as far as having a website up. Yeah. Um the internet has become like a commodity. It's right. everyone uses it at this point. Uh, even for job applications, they're like your larger chain stores probably won't even have a pen and paper application. They'll right. just have you know either fill this out online or go to one of these computers you know over by their customer service desk and fill out an online application. Yeah. Um, no one posts job openings in the newspaper anymore. Uh, I, some people still get the newspaper at my office and we kind of flip through and it's like warehouse worker, warehouse worker, and some yeah. other laborer, which, I mean, this is not to degrade or talk down to our great skilled laborers. It's just that you know, these are the only things, only people that are left advertising in a newspaper. Yeah. Everything else is on some type of job search website. And if you don't have access to that, you are completely cut off from all sorts of uh, job opportunities. If you want to get into anything that might have some type of digital aspect to it all, such as creating your own, um, what do you refer to? I don't want to say highlight reel, but (laughs) (laughs) to show off your your talent, some type of online portfolio. If you're in this area that doesn't have, you know, either sufficient uh, internet signals or, you know, an internet signal at all, you know, you're at a huge disadvantage. So right, I it's like, all, go for it. You have to go down to the library and use their computer. And, which you know, which I'm sure is, you know, all sorts of not powerful. Yeah. So I think it's exciting. 
So let's let's see if we can actually pull this off. I mean, it's I know it's all ones and zeros, but um, how many <laughs> ones and zeros are they trying to cram through this white space? Right. And I mean, as long as they make it affordable too, like you don't want to have like like them coming out and it's like, hey, we got Wi-Fi internet for everyone, but the box is six hundred bucks. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, actually, mentions that it says yeah. currently such devices cost over a thousand dollars each. Oi. But Microsoft yeah. believes it can get the figure to below 200 And that's assuming we can get a sub-$200 access point um, for the white space. So, sub-$200, that's, that's doable. Yeah, that's doable. It's, yeah, it's, it's still a stretch depending on what your income situation does like. It's, yeah. I mean, let's not kid ourselves with that. It's still, $200 is still $200. Right. <laughs> um, that's almost like, a, that's basically a car payment for... Right, and again, depending on what your you know cash situation is like, if you can't afford two hundred, you can't afford two hundred. But yeah. you know, it's a starting point, and I don't know if it says if it's just a one-time payment, just like for the for the device, or I have to look into this. I, yeah, like, uh, as I'm editing this, I'll see if I can search around and see if there's any additional information on this. Yeah. If it's just going to be like an over-the-air antenna where you pay for the antenna and you get you know, access to TV stations, uh, that type yeah, of thing, or if you need to actually pay for some type of service. Yeah, like, I would assume you buy the box, and then it, you might subscribe to the to the service for, you know, maybe 30 bucks a month or something. Something however like that. Much, yeah, however, however much the wireless would, would cost. So, unfortunately, I was unable to find any type of pricing information. However, at the end of this article, it does state, and I quote... Ultimately, Microsoft wants to be the company that makes it happen, but will leave the running of such services to local ISPs. So, in other words, it will be monitored by local ISPs and will not be just a one-time purchase the antenna deal. There will be additional monthly costs on top of this. So, if this ever develops, I'll be sure to keep everyone up to date. All right, time for an Audible interlude. For you, the listeners of Video Game Crosstalk, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, narrated by Will Wheaton. And if you've been paying attention to any of the Comic-Con information that just came out of San Diego, you would know that Ready Player One just received an amazing trailer for a live-action movie. <laughs> Ash, did you get a chance to see this? Yes, I did. How it's dope. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like yeah. that stack of, I guess I'll just call them trailers. And what did they say? Like, Ohio is the fastest growing city or something like that? What, for yeah. the 40th year in a row? <laughs> Oh my goodness, overpopulation. Now, I have not been able to read Ready Player One, but basically um, everyone in the gaming community that has read it uh, has nothing but great things to say about it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been able to read it either. Uh, I, haven't, I mean, I just heard about it maybe two, two months ago. Oh, really? Yeah, when, they, when, they, when, I, when I heard about the movie was being made, I'm like, oh, man, that sounds pretty cool. Oh, but, yeah, it looks... Yeah, it's I know absolutely it. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you're looking to see what this movie is going to be all about, 
go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and that could be your free audiobook. Mm, what do you think about that? Moving on to some gaming and geekery. Uh, and unfortunately I only do this podcast once a month so there's a lot of lag between these stories coming out but there's no way you can do any type of gaming podcast at all and not mention that the SNES Classic has been announced yeah there's just no way There's, there's no two ways around that and what amazes me about this is the game lineup that they have it is amazing have you taken a look at this list Yes, I have, and I've I remember playing a few of these back in the day. I have played more than a few of these. Um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine at the office today. Basically, this is like the quintessential list of yeah. Super Nintendo games. Um, the only ones I have not personally played on this would be Earthbound, the Kirby games, and Yoshi's island i'm not going to count star fox 2 because that was never released to begin with (laughs) nobody's played that before except for the and i've read some other article even the developer of the star fox 2 was like what like our game's out yeah like there was an article where they they had a uh, they went out and had dinner they celebrated (laughs) (laughs) it's been released or getting released so yeah i've played pretty much all of these games um and they're all amazing they're all amazing. Um, and the only difference, if anyone says, like, oh, they should have had this game versus that game, yeah. that's solely a matter of personal preference. What were your couple of your favorite games off this list? Well, I would say I, I love Star Fox. And I, I remember you know, when, uh, when, when a buddy of mine got that, you know, and we all went over his house, played it for like all day and right all week we're just like this game is awesome yeah and, the, um, the, like the low polygon yeah. <laughs> weirdness like it's so it's computer graphics yeah on your super so nintendo but uh, i'll say um out of the list my favorite is definitely it had to be mario kart because my my buddies and i would play that to, into all hours of the night. Like, we would stay at each other's houses. Mm-hmm. We would sleep over on the weekends and just play that thing until the sun came up. Oh, and yeah. Was, yeah. Like, the battle mode, we would <sighs> we, we would go nuts. <laughs> the the original battle mode with your three balloons spinning around you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they're using yeah, the feather to jump over the blue wall so <laughs> to avoid the red yeah. shell. Yep. Oh Rain- man! Rainbow Road definitely. Like I mean, I I remember I we we played that so much. I could probably do Rainbow Road like with my eyes closed. Yeah right. Uh yeah. On this for me, this list, I mean I, I never shy away from saying that Final Fantasy three. Okay, yes, it was Final Fantasy three here in the U.S. We understand that it's Final Fantasy six in the entire series. All right, we know. Yeah. We know. So that's my <laughs> we, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. That's my favorite Final Fantasy of the series. But um, the only other RPG that would put in like that could possibly beat that would be the Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. I never um, played that. That was so good. It was totally in the spirit of Mario, and it was, I believe, it was made by Square Soft. Okay. So before they became Square Enix, after they lost all their money making the 
Final Fantasy movie. So there's a lot of Final Fantasy aspects to it. There's a few references into the their series. It is such a well-developed story. The combat system, it's still turn-based, but there's a little there's a few more added twists to it. Um, okay. But it's still it was it was fun. It was fun above all else. Huh. So it is easily one of the best RPGs of that generation, like with without a question. Okay. Um, that and Secret of Mana. If you've never played Secret of Mana, that is something that you can do. It's basically a an action RPG that you okay. can play multiplayer. All right. Yeah, I never played a uh, Secret of Mana. I wasn't um, I wasn't big on like RPGs when I was okay when I was younger. I mean, I remember like my first RPG was uh, Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Like that, like kind of like the main, I guess, like that was a lot of people's entry point yeah. into the the RPG genre, and I think it might have helped out because their their item system was greatly simplified. Right, you had like a weapon and like an accessory. Yeah, and I think that was it. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about like the full suits of armor or combining different armor or uh, swords with different shield combinations so it was greatly simplified so I think that made it much more accessible to people oh yeah and, and, and plus the story was fantastic oh yeah plus it's like um, yeah I mean I remember playing it took me like 80-90 hours to beat and in my mind and, and in my little kid brain I'm like wow I got my money's worth out of this game this, yeah, this, this, this took me a month and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this list looks absolutely amazing and uh, I've got some other again the my uh, show notes is a little bit old, but I mean, is it anyone's surprise that they everyone's concerned about uh, supply for this? Oh, I know. I mean, like, it's like when the, when, when the when the mini NES came out. When I remember, like one of the guys I, I work with ended up getting it. Like one of the guys in my office got it, and I was like, "Man, how'd you get this?" He goes, "Well, I I stood in line for a couple hours, and then they sold out. So I went to another store, stood in line there, and then." They sold out, so I went back to the original store, and they got more in. I picked it up. And I was like, "Why well, you so? How long do you spend?" He's like, oh, it's "Probably took me about maybe four or five hours." It's like, "Oh my god!" I know. <laughs> and like, and I just don't understand why you don't meet the demand. I don't. I don't. I know. I mean, I just, I just don't under like if it's selling for that much above its like sticker price. Yeah. Then obviously it's in high demand. Right. I just don't. And then they discontinued I, I, it. Yes. <laughs> why? why? Why are you discontinuing this? I, I like, you could, like it'll print money for you. Just it's, it's put it out. <laughs> and on previous episodes, I've mentioned how I love Nintendo for being weird and doing weird things. But that's yeah. in their games. In right. their games, do the weird, uh, obscene. Maybe not obscene is not the right word. Just the yeah. weird stuff. Obscure. Obscure. There we go. Okay, that works. <laughs> I just, but the, I, uh, moving on. Yeah, I mean, I just hope that they <laughs> release enough of these things for, for people to get one because that's, it, it. Without going off on a tangent, like mm-hmm. I just hope it they release enough so that the the scalpers, well, not not scalpers. Well, yeah, uh, scalpers. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> that's, that's basically what it is. <laughs> We're selling these things for like six hundred dollars. Like, come on, man. And like, what if I want to get one for my kid? It's... Well, and that's that's a legitimate concern. 
you know, because you know people are just on there waiting, you know, hit, uh, pounding the F5, yeah. you know, waiting for them to, to go and get, buy as many as they can right off the rip. And basically the only reason why you're not getting one is because you weren't also slamming right. F5 to get something, yeah, for your kid. And, you know, let the free market ride and all that other fun stuff. But come on, this yeah. this isn't this isn't proper access. I know. It's like like you're just being a jerk. Come on. Yeah. Like this has nothing to but, do with entrepreneurial spirit. This yeah. is uh manipulating the market for your exactly. own profit. So Exactly. Moving on. Next one we have uh Netflix. Uh, it seems like I talk about Netflix every episode these days. Uh these past few uh rounds. But they are taking on Metroid next. So they've already produced Castlevania. Uh, did yeah. you get a chance to watch that? I did. I mean, I loved it. I know. Well, that's the thing, because like, I don't know. Like, I didn't realize there was only four episodes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you and a bunch I of other people. I sat down one 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 Saturday and was like, all right, man, I'm gonna check this check the season, check the season out. You know, I got a couple hours to kill. It's like an hour and a half later. I'm going. Where's the rest of it? Wait, wait, how how come episode five isn't loading? Yeah. Yeah, and they're only like 22, 24 minutes long a piece. Yeah. So when you say you've got a couple of hours to kill, well, a couple of hours, quite literally two. Yeah. (laughs) And you're done. It's like, oh man, like, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? I was kind of... Oh, yeah, you've got your your fat man pants on. Yeah. (laughs) Just lounge on the couch. (laughs) Yeah. Not moving today. Made myself oh, a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, people loved it, and it's already been confirmed for a second season. So good. And I think it's supposed to yeah. have like eight episodes for Castlevania. Uh, same guy, yes, Adi Shankar, is going to do Metroid next, and they're also going to make it a dark Metroid. I'm I'm down with that. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to get like a dark sci-fi, basically. And I think it's so beautiful that they decided to do Castlevania and Metroid. And they, uh, <laughs> because, I mean, speaking to, as I mentioned before, how uh, I am, I've been gaming for longer than my coworkers have been alive. For, yeah. for the younger generations, for the kids out there. There's a reason why they call that retro genre of the side-scrolling like puzzle tower the Metroidvania genre. Yeah. Those two games are the reason why. Obviously, the combination of the two titles into the genre yeah. name. But um, the idea of going through a huge dungeon that's like part environmental puzzle while you take out enemies left and right. So instrumental in the development of games. And there's always like a great story behind them. But this was before any story really had to be explained. Yeah, like a lot of it was kind of in the in the background. You'd have to read it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Like for the most part, as you go through the different dungeons and whatnot, is just uh, okay. We're gonna do this themed level, and then this you know sewer themed level, and then yeah. this outdoor themed level, and that was uh, your progression through it all. So, yeah. Um, if they can get the same feel or the same style out of a Metroid game, which should not be difficult because you're, you know, an explorer going into a dark planet to look, you know, to seek out giant alien monsters. Uh, this should work. Yeah. As long as they come out with more than four episodes. <laughs> well, all right. 
to be fair, and there's also mention of uh, Adi Shankar also taking on an animated Assassin's Creed project. I'd love to uh, see that. Oh, that's that will work. And this all kind of like wraps up into the whole, you know, what does it take to make a proper, you know, either film or screen adaptation of a video game? Yeah. Because I think I think we're we're getting to the point where either you need to change the the method or just abandon the video game movie. Yeah, I think I I my opinion is that in in with with the video games in far as uh kind of like animation it's it, it's definitely a very good medium for for video games because you can get a lot you can get away with a lot more uh when when something's animated than you can in kind of like i guess real real life yes mm-hmm. you, know, you can consider a movie like kind of real life because it's just the you, you let a lot more go when when you're watching a cartoon versus somebody right. who looks like you know Samus in a in a mech suit who's like or like a real life mech suit and they're running around versus someone who's just drawn and they're doing crazy flips and and right. you know, things like that and shooting monsters when they, when it's animated. Yeah, your so, tolerance for disbelief is yeah. much greater uh, right. when it's when it's animated. I think that's why you know anime in general works so well because <laughs> you can just if you're flipping around in the air and unloading a lot of clips into an enemy mech, you know it's totally okay for you to just be suspended in the air firing your auto rifle with the speed lines going by you for a good like eight seconds or so whereas if you're in live action uh you need to be you need to be falling if you're in the air you need to be moving around you can't just kind of hover there uh like with the anime speed lines yeah but but, i mean to live action's defense i mean there are some movies that that can get away with it pretty well i mean i remember like when the matrix came out everyone was like okay Oh, that was that was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, that was mind blowing. Few and far between. I'll right. Give it that. Yeah. And plus, I'm thinking um, maybe just if we're gonna go, and I don't want to make this a, a huge like video game movie discussion, but <laughs> if you're gonna go for a video game movie, maybe don't go for one that has so much backstory to it. Right. Because you've got right, Assassin's Creed, for example. I'm so angry. You were the chosen one. Uh, There's so much backstory in that game series. You can't contain it to two, even two and a half hours. Yeah, like I would almost can't contain it. Yeah, like I would, I would say trying to. If I guess if if I were a director and I had the the power to make a video game movie, I'd go. Definitely with a Netflix series or just a series in general, like go to HBO or somebody, mm-hmm. something where I could tell a long story over there. You go, plenty of seasons, you know. Right, and I think the the episode format will work great because a video game itself is split up into multiple levels right. and acts and chapters. So approach that with the same, you know, repetition of arcs, story arcs with an actual animated series. Right. So I think this may be the method to uh, for a screen adaptation of a video game. So yeah, uh, excited! Castlevania, proof of concept. I'll yeah. give it that. I mean, they they knocked it up. You know, they oh yeah, they did. That one. Yeah, they did. Yeah. All right. So, 
We're going to head into the final five now. This is the last segment of this podcast. These are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent. The first two are always the same, and the last three have a theme. Ash, are you ready for this? Oh, of course, man. Let's okay. do it. All right, first question. Coffee or tea? I would say both. Um, really? Yeah, coffee Coffee in the morning uh, when I get to work. It, a lot of it's uh, it's almost like I can't start my day unless I've gone through the routine of you know, getting the, you know, getting the, getting the coffee bean and just kind of doing all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's almost like my day is messed up if I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I'm working late, uh, I'll typically like, if I'm, you know, working past midnight or something, I'll drink tea. Uh, cause one, one time I made the mistake of drinking coffee at night and I was tired and I went to sleep around two and Oof. my brain just wouldn't stop working. Oh man. So like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I've had that. I've because I'm not a huge tea drinker, but I've had that happen where you're just dead tired and your body your body is asleep or wants to be, right. but your brain is still ticking away. Yeah, so you're just sitting there, just staring at the wall, like, "Come on, man, I'm, oh. I need bed." <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Don't tea, don't drink tea at, or coffee at night. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Second question: uh, Do you do any tabletop gaming? Not, not anymore. Um, I, uh, I used to do, I, I played Monopoly with my wife sometimes. Okay. Um, I, I did when I was a kid, I, I remember I had the, the mech warrior, I had the mech warrior game. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but I, I mostly bought it because I, I liked the, uh, mech models and okay. I wanted to play with those. And, <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny thing. Cause, uh, I remember the, this, the story comes to mind about, about that. I bought the game cause I was at my grandmother's house. And I didn't have anyone uh, to play with, so I. Sad story. Little Ashley played MechWarrior by himself. Uh, but it was it was I, I enjoyed it because I had these little um I had these little mech models and like I I kept the I, I kept them, and I lost the game. <laughs> but no, yeah, that was a long time ago. But no um no actual tabletop gaming. I would love to if if I if I can ever have the time to to get into it. But no, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. All right, so right now your Twitter handle is literally unplayable, or at least that's yeah. what you got as your uh, as your name right now. So the next three questions have to do with things being literally unplayable. <laughs> so, question three: Were you unfortunate enough to quote play the ET game of Atari Legend? I have not been. Have Neither you played have it? I. No, oh. never did. Yeah, never did. I'd like to. Just because at this point, check it out. I I've heard the stories behind the development of that game, where they had like I don't know, like six weeks or something to like from concept to ship, some ridiculous. Yeah, like that whole thing was just. I mean, most games made after a movie are just blatant, you know, auxiliary income. Yeah, it's just there's additional sales. Uh, they're not going to put much effort into the game. They're never anything that is like you know reviewed or reported on, other than just to to do it if you're in like some big like publication or review publication. But like they're never any good. But this is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's I, I would if if I could have been a fly on the wall during that development cycle. Oh man, it, it would have been just great. be angry. But, yeah, just to see what <laughs> happens. Like man, how did. Like I said, I've never played it. I've only been able to read the stories, and it's just mm-hmm. like, just, you just want to know. Right. All right, fourth question. 
Have you ever had a game-breaking bug so bad that it forced you to rage quit the game and never play it again? <laughs> um, not that I can think of. I mean, there have been times where I've played, I've been playing a game, and I'll just get, I'll get to a part where it's just entire, like really hard, and then I'm like, all right, I guess this is where I stop playing this game because I can't get past it. <laughs> right. Okay. But, yeah, but then it's like you know, a couple of days later, I'll pick it back up and I'll, and and I'll and, and I'll beat that part and then I'll you know continue out the game. But um, I do have, I would say there's a, a a story where I was playing. This isn't see this isn't a bug. This is just me being okay. Me. Uh, but there was a time where uh, a couple months ago I was I was playing Wolfenstein, um, and this. Great game. I'm loving it. I get like 75% way through, and then one day my computer goes on the fritz, so I, re I have to reinstall. I have to reinstall Windows and you know, all my oh, software man. and all that. A proper yeah, meltdown. Yeah, it was. It sucked. And then, um, so I so I go to I load up Steam. I load up Wolfenstein, and come to find out, uh, the cloud storage isn't there. Oh no. So all my save games gone oh no and at that point i'm like you know what i'm not going through all that again i'll just i'll i'll, I'll go look at the ending on youtube <laughs> I was like, I, 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 was like I, don't, I can't play this game again i don't have the time <laughs> uh, i have a similar story and it's also a bethesda game uh, <laughs> um love bethesda love me some elder scrolls and uh fallout but it was elder scrolls 3 morrowind i was playing on my 360 and I get, I'm guessing about 75, 80% of the way through the game. I'm at the point where I need to like rally the different houses to support my cause type of thing. And yeah. the game, the, the, the campaign quest didn't trigger to progress. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I'm going to all these different houses and guilds and I'm, I'm like, all right, this, this is who I need to talk to. I'm, I'm flipping through the, the in-game journal. I write everyone's name down on a separate piece of paper. I go visit all these different houses and I'm crossing them off, physically crossing them off, pen and paper, one by one. I go back to the main quest giver and he's like, you need to go talk to these people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and this, it's an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. These are not short. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm still, I'm still playing Skyrim like three years later. Oh, I know. <laughs> That was so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my rage quit. Oh. Uh, another small one, actually, in Oblivion. In Oblivion? No, it was Skyrim. Yes, I play a few Elder Scrolls games. <laughs> uh, it's not so much a rage quit, just like a super frustration on my part. Yeah. I went through, and it's the only uh, vanilla game achievement that I have not unlocked. And it's you need to acquire every Daedric artifact. There's one of them, a particular ring, I believe, where I completed the Daedric quest, but during this one sacrifice that you're supposed to interrupt, I was just being a jerk. I was like, eh, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I decided to let the scene play out. Um, so I got credit for completing the quest, but I never got credit for acquiring that Daedric artifact. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I completed all the quests. I found the other, like, Elder Scroll. I did all these other... One where you have to go get a blood sample of every elf race yeah. in the game. Okay, I did that. I, I completed them all. Why is this not popping for me? And uh, flip through a few forums, and it turns out there's that one quest where you can complete the quest without acquiring the artifact. Oh, man. That's, that's funny. So, that actually reminds me of a, a quick story. Have okay. you played Metal Gear Solid Five? No, the Metal Gear is a series I have not played. Okay, um, but you're, too, you're... too many games, not enough hours in the day. But I'm familiar with it. Okay, well, yeah, you're familiar with like Quiet, right? And like yes, uh, that character. Uh, well, uh, a guy I work with, I don't want to call him out by name, but he'll, okay. he'll know who he is when I say this. So we he, we were all talking about Metal Gear Solid Five, and there's a part, uh, spoiler for Metal Gear Solid Five, if you haven't played it yet. Um, where you find Quiet and you're able to, once you beat her, you have the option to uh, kill her. Oh, no. Or you can, you, you, you can either kill her or you can bring her onto your team. And he shot her. <laughs> and so Oops. The whole time we're, yeah. It's like the whole time we're talking about, um, you know, having Quiet on our side and how awesome it is that she's a great sniper and all that. He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you have quiet on your side? I killed her. <laughs> like, what? What do you <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, it man. Was, yeah, it was pretty funny. And the whole time, just like, what do you mean? Like, that, that, that part was hard. Like, well, just have quiet. Shoot everybody. He's like, I don't have quiet. I, I killed her. <laughs> like, do you get oh, her back? Man. No, you don't get her back. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. Fifth and final question. Uh, do you have any media for which you no longer have a player for? Uh, technically, yes. What um, you got? When I was in college, uh, I was a DJ. Okay. As a like turntables DJ, you know, like proper scratching and all that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so I, but when I when I graduated, uh, I ended up moving, and I had to leave uh, all my equipment at my parents' house, and that was like. Fifteen years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so it's technically still there, and I still technically have uh, crates and crates full of records and forty-fives. And I don't know if my turntables still work or not. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I do have a bunch of records <laughs> that may okay. or may not work. <laughs> nice. But yeah, <laughs> I I know somewhere in my like personal belongings box that's like tucked in the attic i still have my old like cassette mixtapes from the radio oh nice yeah i still got those somewhere and i'm pretty sure i still have yeah i definitely do my uh, vhs copy of ninja scroll anime <laughs> oh, <Ninja Scroll. laughs> it was like the first you know anime that i purchased back when you know vhs were still being sold yeah uh and i'm like well, i don't want to get rid of it blockbuster <laughs> yeah right <laughs> nice and that is all the time we have for this episode time for end of show plugs you can follow me anthony rossi on twitter instagram xbox blah, 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 xbox one twitch and now i'm on ps4 all at hypersyntax that is h-y-p-3-r-s-i-n-t-4-x or you can follow the podcast directly either on twitter at vgxtpod or on facebook at facebook.com slash video game crosstalk 
This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at videogamecrosstalk.podbean.com or you can go to the website directly at videogamecrosstalk.com and I've started to put in some blogs up. Uh, one in particular that I've uh, had to go back recently to uh, for some conversation examples was a tale of two Twitter conversations, Why Professionalism Still Matters. Mm. It's uh, qu- quite the funny uh, discussion I had, and both these conversations happened within a month of each other, and the the juxtaposition of them, the comparison of the two, is just ridiculous. I'm like, you just inspired me to write a blog post of why professionalism is still important. Yeah, I remember so, Twitter. Uh, yeah. So... As for you, Ash, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? Well, I, I am on Twitter at uh, VFX Blackout. That's, um, I think that's right. I, I haven't actually seen my own Twitter handle. No, sorry. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, FX Blackout with a, it's F-X-B-L-4-C-K-O-U-T. All right. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't have Instagram or any of that. Maybe one day. I don't know if I take enough pictures. <laughs> you can become one of the cool kids too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter's the best. Uh, the best one. Cool. All right. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you know of some tech news you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets of what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcast services. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Ash, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for uh, having me on. This was fun. Awesome. And in the words of Handsome Jack, don't believe in yourself, believe in me, because I believe in you. Hey guys, me again. I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone, like absolutely everyone who's ever liked or shared one of these podcast episodes. This episode number 16 marks my one year anniversary of having this podcast and it has been an amazing ride. All of my guests have been absolutely fantastic. I have learned so much doing this, both as hosting a podcast, doing a little bit of audio editing, and just in general, all the information that my guests have brought. It's been, I think I mentioned one of the episodes actually, that I feel like I've been having a a Mike Rowe type of experience where I know a little bit about this and that, but talking to, you know, professionals or people who work in specific industries or in certain aspects of stuff, I just learned so much from everyone that I've been able to talk to during this. So once again, this is my one year anniversary for this podcast. Thank you so much for all the support that everyone has given me. And I hope to continue this on. I have some things planned for the future, hopefully to keep this moving. 
And I can't wait to see where this takes me next. All right. Peace out.